You're listening to Joy Coaching America with the Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant, spreading upbeat, uplifting, informative messages of hope and happiness from sea to shining sea from our home in the beautiful Rocky Mountains. Welcome to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant with Dr. John Skidmore, PhD, clinical psychologist, and I'm so excited to have John back. I have loved the first two shows that he did with me, which aired this past Saturday and the Saturday before, and I'm just happy that he's here. He gave so many pearls that I said, you've got to come back and share with us, John, where you're going with your coaching practice. John has been a clinical psychologist for 30 years and now is transitioning into a full-time life coach where he can do sessions all over the world via webinar, face-to-face, and I just want to give you, if you missed part one and part two, there's some crucial information that you need about Dr. Skidmore. He's a licensed psychologist, a performance coach, a singer, an educator, a researcher, and an author. He believes that the path to peak performance starts between the ears and not in the practice room. For decades, he has been helping performers from around the world find freedom on stage and in life. He believes that everyone is a performer, and as a performer, you have gifts to give, stories to tell, and songs to sing. His work is about teaching performers the tools and skills to powerfully share their gifts. In March 2020, he co-authored Conquer Anxiety, How to Overcome Anxiety and Optimize Your Performance. He is on the faculty of the Brigham Young University School of Music and teaches the psychology of music performance. He has a private psychological practice in Orem, Utah, and he does a weekly free webinar called Conquer Anxiety Now. That's from 11 to 11.30 every Thursday, Mountain Standard Time. To register for that free webinar, you would go to John's email, john, J-O-N, at johnskidmore, S-K-I-D-M-O-R-E dot com. That's john, J-O-N, at johnskidmore.com. There's a bonus if you go to register for this class. If you order his book today from him at that email address, he you will also receive his peak performance tool called Relax the Body, Focus the Mind at a $15 value, but I feel like it is invaluable because he gives you his beautiful steps and points of visualization and helping you to go through his process right in a little visual experience. So John, come here and just join me in this beautiful morning as we dive into where you're headed with your full-time coaching. Well, thank you uh, so much. It's just a pleasure to be here again and to start to really look at the journey that I'm on. I really feel privileged for what I've been able to do for the last 30 years, where I've been primarily uh, in the role of clinical psychologist. And to look forward to the next 10 years of what I can do in the role of coach. 30. (laughs) Yes, next 30 years. Yes, the next 30 years. Next 30 years, wow. In fact, the only goal I've got out there that far is to go cross-country skiing when I'm 80. (laughs) So beyond that, I haven't really put much out there. But uh, 30 years would be nice as well. And um, to really look at the opportunity to share the tools and skills that we are missing 
Um, there's so many tools and skills that we as individuals, and we're all performers, uh, we get trained, we learn a certain skill, certain crafts, but then how to actually bring that out there at the level that we would like is something that is a, requires a different skill set. You know, I remember a beautiful talk that I shared on a one of these radio shows by Vaughn Featherstone. And Vaughn said uh, in a talk at BYU at his 11 o'clock devotional on a Tuesday, and I'll never forget it. He said, every single one of us, every single one of you has been born with at least one gift imbued into your spirit, your soul by your heavenly father. And he said, if you don't know what your gift is, go call upon God, get on your knees, call upon your father in heaven who knows you, knows the purpose and reason for your creation, what he divinely designed and fashioned you to be and come Come to him and begin asking. He said, it may not be unfolded to you in a cataclysmic event or a moment, but it will line upon line come to you. And so I love that I've I've gotten to watch. Let's see, I think I met you in 2007. And I have watched over the past how many years, that's half of your career. Mm -hmm. I have watched this unfold, the beautiful work that you've done with retreats, with wilderness expeditions, um, taking people that have had addictions, taking people through regression, childhood wounds, and helping people with your beautiful clinical practice. I am super excited about where you're going with your coaching practice. Well, thank you. And again, it's been a privilege, and it is a privilege to continue to work in the, in the clinical domain. Uh, one of the things that is really clear to me at this point is, as a psychologist, I'm working in the role of the healer. I'm working in the role of the teacher. I'm really trying to help people who are struggling, they're hurt, they're wounded, to get to a place where they can function, where they can move in their life without the pain and the wounds. Right. Um, the coach is a different role in that we have people that are functioning at a much higher level. The leg is not broken here. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's not a broken leg that needs you know, to be rehabbed. And so they're lacking tools. They're needing tools and skills. They're needing support and guidance to take that to the next level, whatever it is they're doing. And uh, it's really exciting because as I work with performers, they'll often tell me like worst performance ever experiences. And of course, they're looking at this from the standpoint of this was devastating, it was embarrassing, I failed, I did not do what I could have done. And all of us have felt those feelings. We've all had those kinds of experiences. And it's just a very different experience to be able to watch, walk through a bad experience, bad performance, and start to say, well, this skill was missing. This skill was missing. How wonderful this skill was missing. to have you there as an objective witness to be able to pinpoint the missing skill, the missing tool to help them to see themselves through an objective lens. I had a chance to work with a man who auditioned for a major symphony orchestra. And when he called me, he was in absolute despair. He was thinking he had just ready to quit. There's no way he had ever auditioned for anything ever again. And as he told me his story, it was really clear there was just a series of skills that he missed. Mm. And he didn't have the skill to really manage his anxiety. He didn't have the skills to manage a surprise 
Now, if you think about that, you know, there's times we get surprised with different things that happen. Well, right. he didn't know how to manage this surprise that occurred. And it was a pretty typical surprise. He was in the back in what they call a green room where he was doing his warm up and the temperature was very warm and the humidity was very high and he tuned his string bass in the green room. Well, he walks out from the green room to the stage, which was very dry, very big, very cool in temperature. And it threw his tuning off. Oh, <laughs> that and, would be very difficult to deal with. And rather than just pausing and coping and saying, excuse me, I do know how to tune my instrument, but something changed from here to there and get that back in place. He fought through it, trying to adjust the tuning with his fingering, mm -hmm. which just caused a cascade of anxiety and more failures and more breakdowns. And there was just one skill after the next that he did not have. And one of the skills he didn't have was how to process a breakdown or poor performance. He didn't see that as a skill or a tool. He just knew he was doing what he did typically. I'll often refer to that as the post-performance bashing. Mm -hmm. And uh, he was basically bludgeoning himself because that just did not go the way he wanted it to go. You know, when I hear what you're saying and listen to you, and I think about all of us, every single one of us, in some realm or another, we've had a moment where we messed up or we goofed. And what a skill to be able to gracefully just stop and pick up from where you're at and have a sense of humor and carry on, which only makes you more lovable to the people around you, right? Absolutely. If you can just have, take yourself lightly and learn how to gracefully begin again. So what a great tool for all of us to just realize today that today, if anybody blunders in any way, you can just be graceful, smile, curtsy and say, that's the beauty of me. It's been said that if it's not life threatening, it is trivial. So let's quit being so serious about things that are trivial. And uh, we get caught up in that seriousness all too often. Well, I love this. And I'm so excited about where you're going with your beautiful coaching career. And so as I understand it, the clinical psychology was more for the, the people that were having deep grief, deep heartache, deep addictions. Mm -hmm. And now you're transitioning to help people become the best version of themselves by giving them tools and training. Well, and as they want to become the best version of themselves, they're going to be running into their own struggles and their own challenges. And all too often without the right tools, the struggle turns into a block. It turns into stop. I struggled and I stopped. So you're going to be able to help people that have goals and dreams to get through the blocks and Absolutely. pursue their passion. It's really about struggling and breaking through. It's about struggling and being willing to be in that struggle and to move forward. It's like the butterfly. The yes. butterfly has to get out of its own cocoon or without any helping hands to develop those thousands of little muscles. We've got to be able to do it. We'll be right back. This is Joy Coaching America, Carolyn Grant, interviewing Dr. John Skidmore.
from sea to shining sea and beyond. You're listening to Joy Coaching America Worldwide with show host and Joy Coach, Karen Lynn Grant. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant, and today we are in the midst of a wonderful interview, which is very exciting to me. This is Dr. John Skidmore, PhD, clinical psychologist, professor at Brigham Young University, transitioning to full-time coach. And how exciting is that? And John, I know you have some wonderful stories and, and portraying things and teaching through storytelling is one of your gifts. And so one of the questions that I would have is how do you develop a performance mentality, like a good performance, a peak performance mentality? To really develop a peak performance mentality, we've got to understand that that's different than the mentality that we were raised with. That's different than what we were taught. It's been said that we all start out as little children, and you think of the last time you saw a one-year-old or a two-year-old. See, they're free to play. They're free to dance. They're free to sing. They're free to, free to make all kinds of messes. And mistakes and, and mistakes. tumbles. And they fall down and all those kinds of things. Well, when we look at the nature of our brain, it is a developmental experience. We learn things line upon line and sense one thing after the next. But the danger part of our brain is fully developed by the time a child is two years old. It's functional at 100%. Whereas the analyzing, deciding, the you know critical thinking part of our brain doesn't fully develop until we're like 27. So this mid part of our brain is really paying attention to all those things that are dangerous, all those things that are pleasurable. I gave my granddaughter a frozen blueberry and if she could have lit up, I mean, she lit up like a Christmas tree. And if she'd have spoken, if she could have spoke, she'd have said, give me another one. That is amazing. <laughs> so cute. Um, and likewise, when her dad snuck in a piece of green pepper, she promptly spit that out. So there was no recognition in the brain saying, this is a good thing. I want more of this. And we know who she's going to love the most. I hope that's me. I hope that's me. <laughs> the blueberry giver. Right, right. For sure. Um, but we also remember and recall those experiences that we call painful. And of course, physical pain is the thing we recognize first in our lives. But as we continue to grow, we start to learn about social pain and emotional pain. And we learn about rejection. We learn about shame. We learn about failure, like somehow I made the mistake and now I'm a failure. Embarrassment. Embarrassment, all those kinds of things. And so we have to really recognize that to really develop a peak performance mindset, we have to recognize that it's already got a competitor. And that negative competitor has been there since we were two years old. And that's your, in your midbrain. Yes. That's that our is your, I'm going to keep you safe. I'm yeah. going to keep you socially safe, emotionally safe, physically safe. Right. You know, it's, it's really interesting to look at the first real important performance experience that we have. And it's something of a joke in the psychological world, but a lot of stuff does go back to how we were potty trained. <laughs> No, everything we needed to know, we learned while we were being potty trained. Now, uh, <laughs> there's a lot to that. I mean, for example, we start out with no awareness. We start out with no concern, no control, and no expectations. It just happens. Who cares? doesn't matter. <laughs> and then as we grow, we start to learn there could be a concern here or there's an issue here. 
And as we continue to learn and grow pretty soon, there's like, there's going to be an expectation. And there's going to be M&Ms. And there's going to be rewards and there's going to be consequences and there's going to be a, a fateful day of we are going to do something about this. It's now time to start the potty training. And there's going to be lots of accidents. That's a perfect, that's a perfect symbolism of life. Absolutely. See, we start out free to do whatever we do. And then we learn there's a thing called accidents. And there's a thing about conditional love. Right? Oh, absolutely. No <laughs> oh, M&Ms for you today. Okay, right. exactly. And so what we have to do to really develop a peak performance mindset is one, we've got to have the tools that are different. We've got to really develop the peak performance tools, but we also have to recognize that sometimes there's stuff from that past experience where that midbrain has been trained that we've got to be able to turn that roadblock that pit into a bridge or a stepping stone. Do you think that that's where the blocks occur? Absolutely. Is is when we have had a sad experience. And so there's a hedge put up. It's almost like there's just a hedge and you don't want to go past that hedge because you don't want to have failure or shame or embarrassment again. Every experience we have today, it's going to land on our history. And so if there's a moment of shame or disappointment or fear today, it lands on that history. And layering begins, right? Absolutely. And if it lands on what I like to refer to as an emotional landmine, we have an incredible reaction to that. So the reaction is so much bigger than what's really going on. And so the person who is often offered an opportunity to present themselves in whatever way, and suddenly it lands on the idea, well, this could be embarrassing that energy is going to say, no, don't do it. Just don't even think about it. And today when you told me we were going to sing a duet, immediately I said, <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So, so we call that the true. first response. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so just to recognize that. So just imagine as an audience member here, what would happen if you were asked the same request that I'm going to give to Karen right now? And her facial expression was like, no, <laughs> she has no idea what I'm going to do. Well, it, I'm, I'm totally confident it's well within your skill set. Okay. Just um, don't ask me to sing a high C. Okay, not, not even going there. <laughs> so we're going to have a lot of fun with this. This is an exercise I do in lots of different ways. Um, twinkle, twinkle, little star. So just imagine you as an audience member, if you were asked to sing twinkle, twinkle, little star right now, what would be your first thought? So we're going to do a duet here. So I'm going to sing the first line and you get to sing the second line. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high. Like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Now we're going to take it up a notch. Oh, don't raise it. Don't. No, we're not, we're not talking pitch. <laughs> okay. We're talking gibberish. Oh, okay. La ba da ba da ba 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 do. Doodle doodle doo doo be ba ba do. La ba da ba do 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 doa. Doodle doodle dum 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 dee. Da da ba 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 da ba ba. Hee hee ha ha ho ho hum. Yeah, we could have a lot of fun doing that, and we are having fun doing this. Now let me talk a little bit about what we just did. You totally got me out of my thinking that I can't hit the note or whatever. We got into the experience of play. We got into that ability of, okay, we are doing this. Now I know you're a singer, so I knew anything I was gonna ask you to do, you could do just like that. But it's so interesting to watch how we run into those blocks. I've got a great story about this. 
I was doing a uh, seminar with my daughter's gymnastics team that she was coaching. And so we had gymnasts and we had parents and any other siblings that were invited. And there was a father who was getting very annoying in this presentation. Because I knew the reason he was there was his daughter was the gymnast. That was obvious. But every question he asked, and he started asking a lot of questions, was basically saying, my son over here has a problem with this. How do you fix it? Mm -hmm. And there was an energy. There was a tone that was just saying like, wow, I would not want to be his son. So dad raised his hand and he said, how do you deal with a mental block? And I kind of smiled inside and said, gotcha. I said, my response to dad was simply, can you sing? Wow. And he goes, no, let's check this out. Do you have vocal cords? <laughs> yes. Have you sung happy birthday before? Yes. Have you actually sung in a choir before? Yes. Do you know the words to Mary had a little lamb? He kind of got where I was going with this. And in the middle of the word, yes, he flips it very promptly to a no, a very emphatic no. <sighs> now, I coached him as much as I dared. I was poking, I was pushing, I was going after him. He was not going to budge. And I had to say, thank you very much. We're going on. But I also have never forgotten what it would have been like for his son to see his dad give up his mental block about singing. Very interesting. He could coach from the sidelines. Yes. But not necessarily be coached. Absolutely. But again, he didn't see an example of giving up that block. Mm -hmm. He got, you know, he watched his dad stay stuck. So he's going to stay stuck himself. Mm, that's very interesting. The example that we're setting for our children, the I think I can or the I don't dare. Well, one dilemma. thing I'm really clear with, the most important thing we can model for our children is how to make changes in our own lives. Absolutely okay. clear on that. I think that that is great. And where we want to go next, right after these messages, this is Karen Lynn Grant, Joy Coaching America with Dr. John Skidmore. Welcome to the Loving Liberty Radio Network. Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. We're back. Joy Coaching America. This is Karen Lynn Grant interviewing Dr. John Skidmore. And he's got lots of fun ways to help us to break through these mental barriers, these creative blocks, these feelings of, oh, I don't dare do that again because I had an, an, ooh, an uncomfortable experience with it a few layers ago. So, John, I want to ask you, how do you help your students, your clients, your coaches? get out of a comfort zone without them feeling super uncomfortable? I don't. Oh. 
I tell good them answer. that if they want to get out of their comfort comfort zone, they get to be willing and they get to decide to be uncomfortable. That they actually have to decide to be uncomfortable. We have a comfort zone for a reason because whatever that comfort zone is, is that space where we feel safest. And to expand that in almost any of our areas of our lives starts to create that struggle. It starts to create that sense of this is not comfortable. This is, I'm not sure I've got mastery here. Not comfortable to be in the comfort zone anymore. Well, that usually is part of the decision we need to make to say, I don't want to stay here anymore. Mm -hmm. Because sometimes our comfort zone becomes very constraining, very restrictive. But we do have to make that decision that says, I'm willing to be uncomfortable. See, being comfortable is overrated. And you know what? As you're saying this, I'm thinking of a baby in the womb. Mm -hmm. You know, they've reached their limits. They've exceeded their little pot that they can grow in. And now they have to participate in going through a discomfort to get to a place where they can grow and flourish and, and expand. Now, think of somebody, for example, and there's a lot of people, even some of the people listening, that are dealing with an anxiety disorder and going to a store is very uncomfortable. Okay, they don't even go to stores anymore. And this kind of anxiety is debilitating. Well, don't you think that during COVID that this kind of increased for everybody because we were being told, oh, if you go out of your house, you know, stay home as much as possible. I'm sure that people that didn't even have anxiety disorders have developed a few. Everyone's level of anxiety has been heightened. No yeah. question about that. And so one of the things I'll do when, like, for example, someone were to come to me and whether it was like, I haven't performed in 10 years, like they haven't been out on their stage in 10 years, whether it is I cannot go to the grocery store, um, I can't talk to my boss. I mean, lots of different ways anxiety really impacts us. It really starts with the decision to be uncomfortable. And so one of the things that is important to recognize, just being thrown to the wolves feels really painful. It is really painful. And who wants to experience getting bitten by wolves? So the idea that we can just put ourselves in that uncomfortable place over and over again until we get comfortable typically reinforces lots of maladaptive ways to cope with stress. But even as you talk about this and hit that nail right on the head and give people a choice right here, right now, and realize that it is going to be uncomfortable, that a comfort zone has become uncomfortable or you wouldn't want to leave it. Right. And what a wonderful way to just say, it's going to be uncomfortable. Okay. There's going to be some growing pains to get out of this rut, to get out of this way of confining yourself from becoming the very best version of yourself. Absolutely. One of the things that I'll do in my office, because you know, if you go to a therapist, and many of you have, you know, they'll talk about different techniques or different strategies. You can talk about dealing with negative thinking or facing fears or even being relaxed. But I'll tell you, as soon as I ask someone to sing in my office, everything changes that fast. It's like it just changes. Like, no, you want me to like, really? Like, you want me to? No, I won't do that. And you know what? Why is that? Why are we so self-conscious about singing? What about singing? It makes a person feel vulnerable. Well, it's certainly an expression of themselves. And they want to sound good. They don't want to oh, hurt yes. somebody's ears, right? Or they want people to say it's good, or they don't want to be told that it's not good enough. Again, and that lands on our whole history of not good enough. And so it brings up lots of energy with that. I'm going to share a story. 
please. I was married to a man who was completely tone deaf and he loved to sing to the radio in the car. We'd get in the car and I loved the fact that he would sing. Mm-hmm. even though it was tone deaf. It just brought me joy to hear him sing. And I'd say, sing louder, Brent, sing mm-hmm. louder. And I wasn't making fun of him. It really brought me joy. Well, I was a singer. And you can tell that on my on my twinkle, twinkle little star, it was a little fuzzy. And there was probably some few sharps or flats. But I'll tell you what happened. I would go to sing to the radio and he changed the station. And at that time, my voice was free. It was happy. I could Mm -hmm. hit notes. I didn't, I wasn't afraid from simply being married in those four years. I lost my voice and I went down to a complete whisper where I was giving webinars. I was teaching classes, joy coaching classes in a whisper. And I never understood that till just now that repetitious criticism, even though he never said, I don't want to hear you sing. He turned the channel. So I would be stopped mid mid song. Wow. And gradually I stopped singing in that marriage. And then the next step was I lost my voice. And when you have been a singer all your life, I was born singing. Mm -hmm. And when, and I, I always thought I was born to sing, but during those four years, and I never quite came back to the belief that I can do this or that somebody wants to hear me because it was constant, repetitive, negative input, changing the channel. And again, that's a a, a very real and painful example of where, oh, I got shut down. I'm no longer free to sing. I'm no longer free to dance, no longer free to play. And I think you had the word there, former husband. Yes. That's part of the story right there. And uh, that's, yes. <laughs> I don't know the whole story. I don't need the whole story. Yes, but, but that's guess part of what? He's now on stage singing sonatas. No, I'm <laughs> Really? Wow. No. Okay. Oh. So what we've got to be able to do is recognize it's not just being thrown to the wolves, like go out there and endure the anxiety. It's let's know how to manage it. I let's know how so to understand wonderful. it. You've got to teach a class to former singers, well, you are at BYU. Uh, yes. <laughs> you are. That's what you do at BYU. For those who once it was play, singing was their playtime. Mm-hmm. I remember writing songs and telling the Lord, my mind is your playground. Write any song mm-hmm. you want through me. And I just sing it. And the melodies would come instantaneously. And that got shut down line upon line just a little bit here, a little bit there, a little bit here, a little bit there, till I didn't even know how it happened. Well, and it's not just singing. I've talked to people who had issues with the piano, issues with the guitar, Mm -hmm. uh, issues with the flute, that they just don't want to play that anymore. And in some cases, it's also impacted different careers, whether they're not in their career anymore because Mm -hmm. of a bad experience. Um, And again, it's that sense of I'm losing that ability to play. It becomes stressful. It becomes Mm. scary. So So, what was once fun is now stressful, so they don't want to do it anymore. Yes. We have to recognize anytime we're dealing with anxiety, avoidance is a very effective way to manage it. Because if we're scared and we run away from whatever we're scared of, our fear goes away. And so we've got to be really recognizing that this is about the willingness to be uncomfortable, the willingness Mm. to face the anxiety. We've got to go through it and up over it. Oh, I love this. Sincerely, I really love this. I think that this is so vital. Your coaching is going to help so many people. It's helping me right now because it's helping me to realize 
what happened, which I didn't even have really completely identified. You know, think, let's just go with that as a theme for just for the next, next couple of minutes here. Um, sometimes we can actually start to go back in our lives and we can identify very key moments where our identity changed. Whether I went from a good musician to a bad musician, or I went from a good person to a bad person. I went from a singer to a non-singer. And I went from competent to incompetent, from confident to nervous. And so sometimes we can find specific moments like that. Sometimes we can't, and that's okay. But we got to recognize is we're, whatever we're doing today is built on our history. And we have to be aware that these history moments, these historical moments, we want them to be stepping stones. We want them to be bridges. We don't want them to be roadblocks. We don't want them to be pits, um, the big abyss. We don't want that to be the place we just fall into and get stuck. And so being willing to do that inquiry and start to say, wow, I've got this pattern. Where is this coming from? is one of the most important things that we as performers have to do because we want the mind of an adult. We want the mind of a trained professional. We want the mind of someone who's excited going through our challenges and struggles That's rather right. than the five-year-old who just says, this is too big, this is too scary, I'm out of here, I'm running away, I'm going to stop. Oh, wow. You know, as I'm listening to you, I'm thinking of the introspection that we can all do, that we need to do in order to face what was it? Where did it happen? Track that bug backwards through the forest to find where were some of those incidents where I felt my confidence wavering. And so when we come back, we'll find out more from Dr. John Welcome back to Joy Coaching America, raising the world's vibration to love, joy, and peace. One happy listener at a time. We're back, Joy Coaching America, and I have to say, Dr. Skidmore, this is amazing. This is amazing work, crucial conversations, introspection with ourselves, saying, honey, where did you where did you become afraid? What do, was there a pivotal moment? Was a series of experiences? So, Dr. Skidmore, if I were to show up in your office and I were to say, you know, I love to sing. You've heard me sing before, but for some reason, I'm afraid of singing. What would you do with me? What, where would you have me go? How would I start? What would you do with a, with a client who comes to you? Well, the first thing I would do is I would teach you about your brain. And I'd say there's a part of your brain that deals with anxiety. Let's call anxiety from this point in time, from now on and for forever, it's just activated. That's all it is. Your midbrain, your stress response, sympathetic nervous system is activated. That's all it is. Okay. Is it dangerous? No. Okay. So I teach you a bunch of tools and skills to manage that. And then I would say something like, so what's one of your goals? Oh, I want to sing again. I want, I to, want to sing, sing again. And I want it to be feel fun and okay. natural and free. Awesome. And then I'd say, well, why would you, why do you want to do that? Because I have a CD to finish. Okay. <laughs> I've got some songs on this CD that I have not recorded. Awesome. And what's your current mindset about this CD and your experience with this CD? 
that it came to a screeching halt when they closed the recording studio down in COVID, but I was kind of happy that it came to a screeching halt because I'd already decided that this was hard because I, I had a cold and I went there and my recording producer said, Karen, your voice isn't sounding so great. Well, I went back and told him, you know, you said that. He said, I only meant that day. And I said, oh, I've been stewing on that for three months. And he said, no, just that day you had a cold. And I just wanted you to go get well and come yeah. back. So, so Karen, if I can, just from the standpoint of what you just shared, is you just made a connection. Because a producer said you're not in your best voice. And somebody else in your life has told you your voice isn't worth listening to. Let's change the channel. Let's change the channel that fast. So really what we're talking about here is recognizing that we'll have an automatic default mindset. Just like when I suggested that we were going to you know, sing today, you were like, ah, oh, no, you know, and it's like, so that, that's a first response. Mm -hmm. That comes from our midbrain. And so we get to decide, we get to recognize that our decider brain, part of our prefrontal cortex, it is more powerful than our midbrain if we can decide. And so if we can get back into the enthusiasm and go, okay, John, let's do it. Right. And it doesn't matter if I hit a sharp or a flat. Right. It doesn't matter if it, whatever, how yeah. it sounds, we're going to just do it. We're going to just do it. So the first thing really is to set up an intention. I'm going to sing. I'm going to do this because it's going to help me produce my CD. And what's the mindset you'd like to design? That it is so fun. This is to so To be fun. in the recording studio again. This is joy and delight and I'm praising the Lord and I'm doing my gift and I'm okay. loving this. And see, that is a world away from this is hard. I'm not good enough. It's being rejected. I'm screeching to a halt. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Screeching. <laughs> ah, screeching to a halt. Yeah, okay. That was funny. Oh. <laughs> well, those were your words. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. That was funny. So that's what I call stage one of the five stages. Okay. So stage two, what are you doing? Stage one is what are you doing? Why are you doing this? Prepare your mindset. And what's the mindset, mindset you're designing mm -hmm. to bring to this entire experience? And what's wonderful, people, is that the last two episodes, John went through all those stages. So now what he's doing is going into that stage where... I get to prepare my mindset to yes. go back and have joy okay. in the thing that I love and am passionate about. So this is where in my office I'd say, I would like you to sing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. Okay. Okay. And it's going to be is that fun. A, is that, a, oh, I love the energy. That, that, did you, are you convinced that's going to be fun? <laughs> it is going to be, be fun. fun. Yeah. See, no. And so it's like, okay, is this an invitation you'll accept? Like right now? So, Absolutely. Okay. And what's, the, um, why would you want to accept this? Because I'm facing what is uncomfortable to get out of that comfort zone. Right. To go back to doing what I love. And what's the mindset you'd like to bring to this experience? Joy and happiness and enthusiasm. There you go. Okay, you've got 30 seconds to practice. Go. Twinkle, twinkle, little star. How I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high. Like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. <laughs> awesome. Oh. Okay, practice it with a little more fun. 
Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Okay. The next thing I want you to do is just take a nice breath in and just imagine yourself singing Twinkle, 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 Little Star. Just imagine for just for a moment with fun and enthusiasm and excitement. So you've just done a mental preparation technique called visualization. And for the sake of time, we're going to say we're out of time to practice. Because it's complete. And that's the, that's the next step. Just declare your preparation complete. Okay, my preparation is complete. Twinkle, twinkle, hold on, little hold on, hold on, hold on. star. You jumped the gun. Oh. <laughs> She's excited. This is awesome. And this is what a lot of us do, is we go from ready to go. And no set. And no set. No get set. And no get set. And so really with this, the next piece of this is to say my preparation is complete. So we go from stage one to stage two, which is the mental and musical preparation. My preparation is complete. This is a flow hack because when, once we declare that our brain, we say we're done, the analyzer part of our brain doesn't need to pay attention to it. So it's not trying to fix it or make it better. Mm. It's complete. It's good enough okay. as it is. All right. And I love that because... We're constantly telling ourselves it's not good right. enough. I'm not ready yet. A lot of stuff from that midbrain keeps showing wow. up. Wow. I love understanding the midbrain. This is oh, fascinating. Powerful stuff. For you to teach your clients, that's where it's coming from. It's like, okay, that's right. that's something we can correct. Absolutely. So with that, we get to go to stage three. And stage three is the entire pre-performance experience. So just think of the words fun, excited, energetic. And you're on in five. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Karen singing Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star. <laughs> oh, now I'm laughing. Okay, this is fun. Everybody try it. Go sing it in the mirror. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are up above the world so high. And for the sake of time, I'm going to stop you because it's beautiful. But we got a lot of time. We don't have a lot of time to cover some things. So that's just wonderful. Okay, so I'll finish it after the show. So the next thing I want you to do is let's see what happens if your mindset were to shift. So here you are in your pre-performance stage. You're waiting to go out there on stage and someone says, hope you don't screw it up like you did last time. <laughs> and all of a sudden, bam, and you go into timid, shy, and scared. Just sing the first line of Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star from the timid, shy, scared place. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Now, wasn't that just a great <laughs> shift and a great example of how quickly that showed up? Yeah. Okay. So now you get to redecide. So take a nice breath in. You're back in stage three, getting ready to perform again. And this time, it's like you're thinking playful. You're thinking joyful. You're thinking just, just over the top here. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Karen. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Up above the world so high, like a diamond in the sky. Twinkle, twinkle, little star, how I wonder what you are. Now, what a wonderful thing to be able to recognize. I can applaud and they can <laughs> applaud for you too. Because we started to hear you playing with your song. It was totally shift it's very from the very first time we sang it together yes yes and so it's recognizing that once we perform 
we have to just put it out there. This is our time to go play. And then you get to ask yourself, that stage four is the performance. What worked about your performance? What didn't? What would you do different next time? Well, what worked was preparing my mind with the words, this is fun, this is positive, this is enthusiastic, this is what I love to do. And so just that mental, that mental preparation yes. changed everything. And it changed everything. And you can say your performance worked. So learning how to use this five-stage process really makes a difference. And you can apply this to a job interview. You can apply this to a day in your office, a week in your home, a month, a year. Um, but it really comes back to the most important stage of the five stages is actually stage five, where we can look at what worked, what didn't, and what we're doing next time. I can totally see how a person coming to you could have a complete shift on their in their train of thought and how it can take them in a total different down a whole different avenue so john give us a pep talk we've got two minutes karen you gave all of us a wonderful gift because you shared in your example of singing twinkle little star what happens when our mindset shifts the first time you sang that song that was as big and as bold as you're willing to let yourself be the second time you went to fear and timid, and it was just absolutely on target for fear and timid. <laughs> and the third time you were actually freer to play with this. It's all about practicing this. We have to recognize that that midbrain is a powerful thing. And so much of that conditioning and that history just stops us and shuts us down. And we've got to put ourselves intentionally in places where we can actually practice this. And this is where that decision to be uncomfortable, the willingness to be uncomfortable, and I have my own coach, having coaches to help us deal with our uncomfortableness because we want to run away really fast, boom, and get out of there. We, we, we want to play it safe. And so it's just really important to recognize that we've got to really develop a whole different set of neural pathways that we can access and use to move ourselves and our performing forward, and we can fall back that quick into old stuff. Wow, and I think how important it is to leave us on this note, every coach needs a coach. Every coach needs a coach. Thank you so much, Dr. Skidmore, for being with me here today and for being with our listening audience. I hope that you all got something out of my embarrassing moment and that I don't even care because it was just so much fun to feel myself make that transition. You'll be hearing better things from me in the future. <laughs> Thank you, Karen.